0: Sometimes, you know, going through our everyday lives, especially at the moment in lockdown, you know, we just feel like we're, you know, we've even the most positive people are feeling worthless, they're feeling useless, they're feeling like their productivity is at zero, they're feeling they haven't accomplished anything, you know, they're not maybe meeting their targets at work, they're not out, they're not mingling, so... Tiny little things like going through your wardrobe or changing your, clearing out your cutlery drawer or just, you know, tidying up the mug cupboard or, you know, cleaning out your fridge or, you know, sorting out your trainer collection. Those things are like, actually, they're the things that you can control. They're the things that you can change. We can't change not going out at the moment. But what we can do is make some little changes in our house that are going to make us feel better. It's all about subtle changes because those subtle changes that you can make those small changes will lead to bigger things
1: that's dilly carter and this is episode 220 of in the moment with me alex manzi i'm a coach and this podcast is all about self-development and helping you to live a happier and more fulfilling life each week we hear the stories and tips from some of the most inspirational people in the world to help inspire you to make a positive change in your life on this week's episode, I am joined by Dilly Carter, who is a professional organizer and declutterer and the author of Create Space, a book about decluttering your home to help clear your mind. And this is a really fascinating conversation because I've gone through a lot of decluttering in my life in the last few weeks, reorganizing, going through my cupboards, which we kind of talk about in this episode a lot. And there's one moment where Dilly mentions how our space reflects us as people and I thought this is really fascinating because we don't often think that we often just think like our space is our space right and we just think like you know I'm gonna put stuff here I'm gonna collect stuff over there I'm gonna chuck these things in that cupboard but we forget that actually like the space around us really reflects us and what's going on for us right like we often hear the term you know tidy desk tidy mind or you know tidy room tidy mind And I really think it's true because, you know, the more clarity you have in your mind, the more clear you are able to create the space around you to reflect that. And when we're kind of not doing that, we're kind of doing ourselves an injustice, right? Because we're just clogging up our space with more stuff in the same way that we clog up our minds with more thoughts or more, you know, memories or more things to think about. And sometimes, you know less can really be more and it's like when it comes to decluttering your space or just like the way that you are as a person and you know what's going on in your mind like the less thoughts the less thinking the less stuff you have the more you have to receive new things in the world and I thought that was a really fascinating part of the conversation because I'd never really thought about it like that even though I've gone through these changes and I've gone through these um, decluttering phases in my life I've never really thought about it, about the, the space that we're in reflecting us as people and when you begin to look at it like that it's like actually I don't want a really cluttered space around me I don't want to feel stressed by looking at loads of stuff I want to feel calm and at ease and I want that you know I want to reflect that you know in the space that I have so I think that's really important so, during this conversation, we also spoke about why we have a resistance to decluttering, finding the balance of what to keep and what to sell, how decluttering is actually good for your mind. Plus, Dilly shares loads of helpful tips on how you can declutter your space. So, the aim of this podcast is to inspire. So, if you like what you hear in this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love. But right now, let's jump straight in and hear from Dilly. So, hello and welcome, Dilly. How are you?
0: I am very well. Thank you for having me on your podcast. This is very exciting.
1: It is. I'm. I'm. I'm particularly excited. And I. I we were just chatting before we hit record, and I nearly alluded to this, <laughs> but I wanted to. I wanted to tell you exactly how excited I am because, <laughs> um, obviously, I've checked out your staff and I've been doing a lot of like listening to just generally other stuff in the kind of decluttering and minimalising sort of space. And um, I was actually inspired by watching the Minimalist documentary on, on Netflix, the new one.
0: Very good. And right? yeah.
1: so this week, or actually on Sunday, I just went, Do you know what? That's it. I've got so much stuff in my wardrobes, which kind of managed to avoid the first clear out I had about a year ago, more than a year ago, but it's still there. And I was like, right, I need to go through everything in my wardrobe, everything in my drawers and be really like almost ruthless in... What am I keeping? What do I actually wear? What am I selling? And what do I want to give away? And and there's obviously going to be some stuff that gets chucked that have like rips in and whatever. So I have done research for this episode, but most of my research has actually been like actionable research. So I'm really like interested into like, uh, I guess discussing the whole mindset behind everything that you do. Um, But before we jump in, like I'm super interested, like what kind of got you into the whole decluttering space in the first place?
0: Uh, probably my mum and her mental health. Um, as it's quite widely known that I, my mum lives with us, who's got bipolar, and I grew up surrounded by mess, basically. Um, so my bedroom was tidy, but the rest of the house was chaos. And I think I just went the complete opposite way. I didn't enjoy the mess. I didn't like the chaos. My parents weren't only chaotic in their their surroundings but in their life in general you know they they worked ridiculously long hours I barely saw them they threw themselves into work and the house was the last thing they ever paid attention to you know we were lucky if we had a Christmas tree at Christmas because Hmm. they were so focused on work and so the house was literally the bottom of their list it wasn't a priority and although my house was a very happy house um it was you know I was very loved it was it was almost like naked of of attention you know we never really mm-hmm. we never did any decorating as far as i remember you know we had the same wallpaper from when i was 3 years old until i was 18 years old you know it was this horrible orange patterned 80s wallpaper <laughs> nothing got changed um so i think it being in that environment really has an effect on you and i think mm-hmm. when you're going in, in into a career generally there's reasons that stem from your childhood which make you choose that career, which make you choose the path that you take. You know, not everybody, but a lot of people there's something in their childhood, there's something that's happened that makes them want to focus on something. Maybe it's giving back, maybe it's helping, maybe it's going in the opposite direction. Um, so for me, it was like, I don't want to live like this, so I'm going to make sure I never do. And then in turn, I always wanted to think, I always wanted to help people get out of that situation. I didn't want to help my mum and dad get out of that situation because <laughs> they didn't. They weren't interested in it. That was their life. Yeah, they don't <laughs> listen. <laughs> they didn't listen, no. That was the way that they wanted to be. And there was no point in me doing anything, you know, I kept trying to help them tidy up and they'd just mess it up again. So I sort of gave up with them, but I knew that I could help other people. And because my mum and dad worked so much – um, I ended up being at my neighbour's house all the time. So my way of saying thank you to them for looking after me was organising, was tidying, was helping them clear out their wardrobes. So I saw the value in that and it sort of just grew and grew. And I did lots of different jobs throughout you know, my early teens, my 20s. Um, and then I. But everything came back to organising. So I think it's mm. done from childhood, really.
1: Yeah, I, I find it interesting how like what you're saying there is you're kind of born into it. Like you were mm. born into mess in a way but also into like if you didn't have the experience at your neighbor's place and wanting to repay them for looking after you and everything and wanting to clear up and you know organize and do that then you wouldn't be on this path now which is I think amazing
0: absolutely and and of course I was adopted so I was born uh, you know I was left at an orphanage at seven weeks old and I was there for three years so again I was I was handed over into a chaotic situation an orphanage full of children you know that which who are going here there and everywhere who knows where they're going who knows where they've ended up so the path that i've taken is 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 amazing considering where Mm. i started so i've gone from this chaotic start in my life to now a place of calm where i'm completely in control of my life um yeah yeah
1: yeah i love that and is there a way then that you or a moment rather where you kind of felt that you you know you've gone through this whole experience with growing up and being surrounded in this environment and what you were saying with your your neighbors and stuff where you thought actually this is something i'm really passionate about that i i think that i could give value to people through offering them some kind of service like what what was that moment where they're like i guess the penny kind of dropped for you and like actually this can be a thing for me
0: I think when I first went to my mum's house in Somerset and it was a few years after my dad had died and she hadn't been coming up to visit us and she'd been putting it off. And I just thought, you know what, I have to go and see her. I can't let her keep coming up here. And when I got to her house and opened the front door, you know, it was, it. it she wasn't living like a hoarder, but you know, there was paperwork everywhere. There was bags everywhere. There was purchases that she'd bought. When people are bipolar often or not, they go through these, um, these manic, um, states of like high or, or manic. They call it. A, they call it an episode. It's a manic episode, and the episode is either very high or very low. So people experience that in different ways. And with my mum, and, and, a, and a trait of people that are bipolar, often or not, is that they spend and they can't stop spending. So they'll buy whatever anyone is trying to sell them. And my mum was a victim to that in a, in a really sad way, actually, um, as lots of elderly pensioners are. She'd have all these cold callers ringing her and she'd be buying £2,000 worth of creams one month. And then the next month, she'd be buying £2,000 worth of something else. Or she'd be sending money to Hong Kong or to Spain from all these money grounds so she was a victim of this but she was being led all these fed led and fed all these lies um and so when I walked through her front door it was just purchases everywhere and it was mess everywhere I couldn't see her table I couldn't see her kitchen table I couldn't see her kitchen services and I just thought oh my goodness I had no idea that you were living like this um and so I basically in the weekend that I was there I completely changed the whole house around completely cleared it sold some of her stuff got rid of stuff sorted it out she wasn't even sleeping in her marital bed um now that was not just because of the chaos but because when my dad died my mum never slept in their marital bed mm. again she slept in the spare bed but the spare bed she was sleeping in was covered in cat fur it was it was just messy and horrible and within the weekend I was there I got there on the Friday by the Monday her house was like a different house and that's when I just thought God, I'm really good at this. It's not that I'm good at this, but I'm I'm speedy at this. And I think a lot of my clients will say it's not just what you do; you do it so quickly. I come in and within seconds, I know what I'm doing, and I've changed it. Um, you know, I can. That's why my virtual calls work really well because within minutes of seeing your house, even on a Zoom call like this, I can go right. Well, this is where you're going wrong. This is what you need to change. This is how you need to do it. So. It was definitely my mum's house that changed everything for me. And I realised, actually, I could do this as a job full time and help people because I mm. come in here and I've done it really quickly and effectively. So, you know, why don't I just keep doing that?
1: Yeah, love that. And how, how did you then navigate that kind of conversation with your mum? Because it sounds like in many ways she was almost comfortable in the Mm. fact that everything was uncomfortable right so how did you how did you navigate the kind of conversation from actually we need to do something about this to like like we actually definitely need to really do something about this and I'm going to do it for you because a lot of people I find that when it comes to decluttering and we can dive into this a lot deeper in a minute is like they're kind of almost scared of the process of it so how did you navigate that conversation with your mum?
0: I think I think she could see that how upset the situation had made, had made her and me going in there and go, mum, have you, how have you lived like this? Like, please let me help you. I'm here for the weekend, you know, and sort of slowly, I didn't, you know, I'm much, I'm very much like a bit of a whirlwind. Uh, You know, I come in and I I change everything and off I go. Um, But (laughs) I had to be much more gentle with my mum because obviously it's a mental health issue. She's ill. And some people aren't ready for change, but, I think when you're like, you go and sit in the front room, I'm going to make you some dinner. And while I'm making dinner, I tidied the kitchen. I organized it. I cleared it. I got rid of stuff. And the next time she walked into the kitchen, there was change. And she was like, Oh, this looks better. And you can start seeing progress. Um, A lot of people will tell me or say to me, you know, message me and say, you know, Oh, how I've got a partner that doesn't want change. I don't, I want to declutter. He doesn't, she doesn't. And there's always some resistance. So people put it off. So I always say, if you can try and lead by example, that's really important. If you can try and change something, like you change your part of the wardrobe, your partner might not want to change their part. But if you change your part and they see how effective that is for them, for you, they might then want to change theirs. So, lead by example, do something, you tidy your room so that your brother and sister see how amazing your room is, because then they might want to do it you know you tidy the kitchen and make it amazing sometimes you have to do that sometimes you have to do that you have to be the change in order for everyone else to follow you know it's not not good enough just to talk about it because no one ever wants to confront the fact that they've been living in a way that they've been living no one wants to admit that they've got themselves in this situation so it's about showing by example leading by example saying that look this is what you can achieve and this is how good you'll feel about yourself if you do it and you know how yeah. powerful it is creating a space. Yeah. You're in this podcast, um, you know, you realize how powerful that was by doing that. So and that was a joint effort.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I was to give context to, to those who are listening before we hit record. I was explaining to Dilly that. The, the loft room I'm in right now, which is where I do my podcast recording, which is my office, was literally three, four months ago was a mess. It was full of... I mean, it's still half of it's still full of stuff in the I'm cupboards. Not looking, are, but I'm
0: not looking.
1: <laughs> the room itself was full of stuff, like boxes, clothes. And me and my mum came up with this decision of like, let's just clear that stuff out of the way and let's repaint the room redecorate it and reorganize a few things and create an office space and it's like having that space and that mental clarity to work in this space is really like productive for me it's really good for me like i feel clear when i'm here i can put some tunes on on youtube on the tv and just have like background music and, and really get productive and you mentioned a really great word before in uh, resistance And one of the things that I've noticed is like, even like my mom, like my mom's terrible for it. And she probably hate me from saying this in, in kind of public forum, but whatever um she's like there's so much stuff in our house like every nook and cranny is filled with something every space is filled with something and even like here in this room right there's you can't see it but there's a coffee table behind me yeah. and she was like, oh, i want to get you a little coffee table for the room upstairs i'm like yeah but mom i don't need it like it does there's no purpose for it being there i'm not going to use it you're just going to put some stuff on it she's like, no no i really want to get it so she ended up buying it and it's like the whole house is like it's full of nice stuff It's not like junk but there's so much of it yeah. and every time like we have the conversation like okay mom right we need to sort of, you know, clear out the cupboards in the loft because they're full of old clothes. They're full of old like toot and, you know, nooks and like little just all sorts of stuff. Right. And it's like she wants to do it. She's because she's always like, oh, we need to we need to sort of organize some stuff. She wants to do it. But then there's a resistance on like the the actual Doing of it and I don't know whether like from you know from your experience whether it's like because we have emotional ties to stuff or whether there's like a fear around you know how much there is to do or like how do we even begin like how do I start what do I do with all the stuff once I've you know decluttered it all like what's your kind of experience there?
0: Well number one I think the most important thing with any type of decluttering is you do have to be in the right frame of mind to even begin. If you're not feeling great about yourself or you're you're not in a good place mentally, then sometimes with all the will in the world, it's never going to happen. But what you have to assess, and it's a really hard thing to try and comprehend for some people, and it's really hard to be honest with yourself, is what is the most important thing to you? What is affecting your day-to-day life? What is affecting your relationships? So many marriages fail because One person is one way and one person is the the other, you know, and, and clutter and chaos in the home can be a huge part of that. You know, some people can't bear the fact that they've got a partner that's just messy and it's driving them insane. And they just can't, every time they walk through the door, the house is a mess. Or every time they go up to the office, there's paperwork everywhere. And those types of things cause really big arguments in relationships. You know, sometimes there's a constant battle about the state of a home. So you have to address what is most important to you what is affecting your daily life and what is affecting your relationship and if it's like for example you need a space to work so many people just you know plod through life and normally we'd be going to work wouldn't we we'd be getting up we'd be going to work and the house we're only in it a few hours a day so no one really cared did they but Mm. now we are confined to these four walls and we're assessing everything everything is under a magnifying glass you know before it it didn't matter that the, the the mugs were overflowing in the cupboard and that the cornflakes were mixed in with the dog's food and you know that you couldn't find the blender but now you want it to be easy you want to get up you have to go to work at eight o'clock and log on so that means that you have to go and get your breakfast you have to go and prepare your lunch you're going down to the kitchen three times a day when before you were only going into your kitchen once so everything is amplified Um, so it's really important that you decide what is affecting you the most and that's where you normally can try and start
1: yeah and how how do you find that balance then because one of the things that I've always struggled with when when I've had like my big clear outs right and I've probably had two two big ones in my life right the first one was well the sec the most recent one was one I said at the beginning of the podcast and the one um before that was about a year and a half ago when I came back to my parents place and I hadn't been living here for like five years and when I sort of had to unpack all my stuff into my wardrobes my wardrobes were, were still full from when I left the first time and I was like oh my god there's so much stuff I was almost like disgusted with myself <laughs> but the thing that I found really hard was the I guess the process of like deciding the things that I love and that are actually really serving me and that I get use of versus the stuff that I no longer need, but I still kind of love as well. Like, how do you find that balance? Or how do you recommend people find that balance?
0: Um, I think it's because you have to, A, like you did, you have to go through things properly. Often or not, what people do is they look at their wardrobe and they think they know what they like and what they don't, but they just sort of skim through it. Uh, but what they've not ever done is really have a really good look through their wardrobe. They've never actually taken all the contents out of their wardrobe, laid it out flat and looked at what they've got. Um, and that's really important because what you do is when you empty your wardrobe, for example, you com- you completely clear the space, put everything onto the bed. And then you're left with this blank space of your wardrobe and it's all clear and it's lovely. You've then got this vision. You've then got this blank space to almost start again. So. Now you can start again. You can look at your pile of clothes and think, what do I want to put back in this wardrobe? What do I actually wear? What do I really, really love? Because when the wardrobe's full and it's full of everything that you've got and you've ever owned and you've never really looked through it, it's really hard to try and decipher what you really like be what you really love. So that's why when you've got the blank space, you're almost curating your own beautiful wardrobe again from what you've got. So going through that pile and looking through it, you'll think, actually, I do really love that. Yes, that earns a place in my wardrobe. No, I don't like that, doesn't. And you're only putting back the stuff that you really, really love. Um, But if you don't do it that way, you're never going to have that clear vision of what you love and what you sort of like, because it's all just in there and you can't be bothered to take you know, edit it that way. So editing it from a blank space is completely different Mm. editing it with a a cloud in mind. It's like sitting in your room now When before it was cleared. You wouldn't be able to sit and do your podcast because you're surrounded (laughs) by stuff because it's too chaotic. You wouldn't have that clear vision. It would be stressful. So in order for you to... Maximize your productivity and your focus, you had to clear that off. You had to clear that loft room, didn't you? Because then now you can sit here, you can focus, you can watch TV, you've created something that you want to be in here. And like you said just now, with your mum giving you the table, you didn't want the table in there, but you've allowed it to be in here because actually the table Mm. isn't something that you really love. The stuff that you really love is already in here, but now someone's trying to add more to it that you don't actually love. So, in in an ideal world, you wouldn't have the coffee table. So it's like the wardrobe. You are creating your own collection of clothes that you love. So do that, but do it in the process that I told you. You know, you have to empty it all out in order to be able to curate that new vision, that new you.
1: Yeah I guess I, the the thing that comes to mind here for me is like being an artist with like a with a blank canvas right in front of you it's like you don't want to start painting on a canvas that is already full with paint already has something on it of course not. and even and even like graffiti artists right they, they obviously paint over existing work but they paint white over it or black over it so then they can start fresh right and it's a similar thing I guess with the wardrobe it's like clearing out your wardrobe helps you clear your mind of like all of the stuff that's in there so that you can go actually what what is it that i want to do with this like what is it that i want to create and you talk about in your book this idea of like having a spec your space reflects who you are and that being like one of the kind of fundamentals of like what you do like can you talk a little bit about that idea of how like the spaces reflect us as people Absolutely. or how they can reflect us as people when we kind of organize them as well
0: so we'll go back to the point about your mum bringing in the coffee table you know your <laughs> space is your space This space is a a reflection of you. This is what you wanted it to be. Adding the coffee table wasn't what you wanted it to be. So you have to look at every room in your house and think, is this a reflection of me? Is this what I wanted this house to be like? Is this room how I envisioned it to be? When you first bought the house and you moved into it, did you imagine your kitchen was gonna look like this? Did you imagine Mm. your cupboards would be overflowing with food? Of course you didn't. When you walked in and viewed your flat, you were like, oh my goodness, it's gonna be amazing. And you loved it because it was spacious, because it was clear, because there was literally nothing in there. But now you put all your stuff in there. So what you have to do is rewind and imagine that space again as a blank space. Remember when you first moved in. So that's why when I'm doing a virtual cleanse on a kitchen, on a wardrobe, on any room in the house, I'll always say, right, the first thing we need to do is empty the space. We need to start this room again. So let's make sure that, is your bed in the right position? Is your wardrobe in the right position? Are your chest of drawers in the right position? Because sometimes it's not necessarily just about emptying each drawer. It's about the positioning of our furniture. And it might be that you've got too much furniture in that room. So now Mm. we're going to reassess it. Now we've got this blank room. Would you put back in that sofa? Would you put back in that chair? Because if you wouldn't, then let's not do that. Let's change it. So that's why the blank space is really important. You have to look at it and think, is this a reflection of me? Is this is does this room screen me? Is this what I wanted from this space? Because if it isn't, what do you need to do to change that? So
1: yeah. And I think that you know, even again, I mean we're gonna keep referring to this loft room now because it's been someone trend of everything apparently, but even like this space like when we when we painted the room is we we didn't take everything out because there's quite a lot of heavy stuff to take out but we put it all in the middle of the room to cover it with dust sheets while we painted but then what that allowed us to do was to actually look at the space as an empty space and decide where we wanted to put things right and the thing for me that was really helpful was that because where I'm sat now, where the desk is, this isn't where the desk originally was. Like this desk has been up here for 15 years or something. The desk was actually behind me where you can see the sofa. I know the listeners can't, but directly behind me. And the sofa was where the desk is. So in looking at the room as a fresh space, and I'm only really recognizing this now, it allowed us to go, actually, how can we make this work better? Like how can I I was really, you know, on it with like wanting the desks to be underneath the window to get some natural light and not in the corner where it's a little bit darker and it allowed us to analyze and assess the room and go actually this is going to be better for me and it, it's not just like the physical you know moving of things around it's like the space you get mentally as well and I know that's kind of like a big part of like what you do in your book it's like the mental space that it creates for you so like how how do you kind of when you're working with someone, how do you explain that kind of benefit to them of like, actually, we're not just going to like organise your cupboards or sort your kitchen out or sort your bedroom out. But actually, what we're really doing is we're helping you have a healthier, clearer mind for yourself.
0: Absolutely. We're changing the flow of your house. We're we're creating space in not only your kitchen and your house, but in your mind, you know, by what we're doing, the process of decluttering and reorganising, I'm creating space for you to breathe and actually I don't explain it I just come in and I do it a lot of the time a lot of what I I teach and a lot of what I try and and, and and tell people is I often I will come in and the reason I'm good at what I do is is also because I've got that end vision in my mind so as soon as I walk into a chaotic room okay cha- look at a chaotic wardrobe I'm not looking at what's in that wardrobe I, I can already see the end goal I know what that mm. that wardrobe is going to look like by the time I'm finished I know what that playroom's gonna to look like by the time I'm finished, I know what the kitchen's going to look like, the front room. So I walk in and I'm like, right, let's just get started. Um, I, I, I never ask the whys of how people have got into that situation or why they are where they are. I'm just like, right, this is the vision, this is what we're going to do, and I promise you by the end of it, you're going to see the results and you're going to reap the rewards because, of course. I'm going to create more space and they're going to realise, oh my goodness, the, the power mm. of what this has done is, is, can be life changing for some people. You know, Some people don't have a working from home space. They may be living and working at their kitchen table without having um, a working from home space when actually all they had to do was change their spare room, but they've never yeah. got to it. So they've got to the point where they think, actually, I do need to call someone in and get them to do it because I haven't A, got the time or B, don't know how to start. And that's like we were saying earlier, it's knowing where to start but if you haven't got a working from home space yet you've got a a spare room that's chaotic and full of spare clothes then you need to think what's more important to you is it important to have a room full of clothes you don't wear or is it important for you for your productivity at work to have an office so change that space if you need to Mm.
1: yeah and I'm curious then do do you think there there could be a benefit of explaining the mental clarity that will come through you know having things more organized or you know decluttering or minimalizing the amount of stuff you own or you know all of the kind of process that you take people through. So I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode to let you know that my book The Search for Clarity is now also available as an audiobook. The audio is completely narrated by me and the book shares my biggest learnings and lessons that helped me to live a happy and fulfilling life. And in it, I share plenty of stories and tips and how you can do the same. The audiobook is now available via Audible and physical copies can be bought at thedreamersdisease.co.uk forward slash clarity. And if you use the code on that website, podcast 20, you'll get 20% off your order. But right now, let's jump straight back in to this week's episode.
0: I think there's definitely, uh, um, I think everybody feels completely clearer once they've had a good sort out. We know the feeling that we get, even if we've like, washed out our cutlery drawer and put all the cutlery back in the right place, <laughs> it feels so freeing. And it's the same with changing your space. It's it's the same with clearing out your fridge, clearing out your wardrobe. You feel lighter because you've created more space and you make change and press, isn't it? We all like we've accomplished something when we've got when we put in something. It's like clearing out the garage at the weekend, you know, before we'd clear out the garage at the weekend, and on Monday everyone's like, Oh, did you have a nice weekend? And you're like, oh sure, it's great. I cleared out the garage. <laughs> and it's like it felt so good. And people are like, Oh, okay, it's weird. Um, but actually you feel so good, don't you? Because you've done it. You feel, like oh my God, I finally tackled something that I haven't tackled. And then you realise how powerful that is, and then it then spurs you on to do other things because. It's about trying to, like I said, making sure that you're increasing your productivity, because if you are surrounded by clutter, then often or not, that's going to drag you down. So what you need to do is create space so that you can create your product, uh, you can create more product, you know, increase your productivity. Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. And why do you think then that it becomes so freeing for us when we do even like you said, you know clear out the cutlery drawer or have a massive you know the two extremes I guess is like the cutlery drawer and then like having a massive overhaul of like what you own and your clothes and stuff like that
0: it's control you're in control of something you've just changed something from a negative to a positive so I think that's a really powerful thing so you feel accomplished because sometimes you know going through our everyday lives at the moment in lockdown you know we just feel like we're you know we've even the most positive people are feeling worthless they're feeling useless they're feeling like their productivity is at zero they're feeling they haven't accomplished anything you know they're not maybe meeting their targets at work they're not out they're not mingling so tiny little things like going through your wardrobe or changing your clearing out your cutlery drawer or just you know tidying up the mug cupboard or you know cleaning out hmm. your fridge or you know sorting out your trainer collection. Those things are like, actually, they're the things that you can control. They're the things that you can change. We can't change not going out at the moment. But what we can do is make some little changes in our house that are going to make us feel better. So it might be like, actually, yeah, do you know what? I'm just going to go and sort out my trainers. I've been meaning to do it for ages. Let me just go through the trainers, reorganize them on the shelves, you know, put all the Adidas together, put all the Nike together, put all the, you know, whatever it is, Timberlands together. And then suddenly you're like, wow, that looks so much better. Why didn't I do that ages ago? And then you might, actually, let me have a little look through my jumpers. Let's refold some jumpers. Let's clear out the pants with holes in, you know, whatever it is. But you'll suddenly feel like, yes, I'm on a mission. This is, these are the things that I can control. So it's all about subtle changes because those subtle changes that you can make those small changes will lead to bigger things and you'll see the benefits of just making those small things and think actually we probably could do the small we probably could change a spare room ourselves couldn't we we probably could change loft we could do these things and it empowers you so you know sometimes it's worth starting small it's worth doing those little things especially if you're feeling overwhelmed
1: yeah yeah I totally get that and I think one of the things that again reflecting on this now that really helped me look at particularly my wardrobe and just generally like the stuff I had in my room and how little of it I actually used or needed was the first time I went like backpack traveling I went I went around Japan for a month and obviously when you've got a backpack you've kind of got minimal stuff right but somehow I, I still managed to not wear half of the stuff that was in my backpack. And whether that was laziness because it was at the bottom or whatever is a different story. But <laughs> I still managed to get by and survive, even though I was just recycling the same odd pieces every day. Right. And it didn't impact my day to day. It didn't impact my happiness. It actually made me feel a bit a bit lighter because I knew that if I got up is like I only had a few select items to wear and I didn't have to choose from loads of stuff. And it made me realize, actually, I don't need as many things as I think I need in order to survive or to feel happy or to feel lighter or to feel fresh? Like, yes, these things are here and I can buy them and they're nice. But do I need as much as I have in order to go my day-to-day life and one of the things that really um struck me from the uh, minimalist documentary well both of them actually so the first one they talk about the guy I can't remember his name now but he only owns like 52 items of clothing and he carries it in his backpack and travels and then there's the other thing of the the 333 which is like 33 items for three months and that includes like all your clothes and jewelry and obviously not including underwear and stuff so so this time around i looked at my wardrobe i was like can i get my stuff down to 33 items i was like that's that's like a quite a good challenge like let me let me try that that's like, that's a very interesting challenge." i didn't do that exactly i didn't quite get to it but I, honestly i cleared out like two-thirds of my clothes that i just generally they just they just there they don't even get used or worn or even looked at yeah. um so have you got any kind of like really practical tips like you know I know there's also things of like look at you know what have you worn in the last 90 days versus what could you wear in the next 90 days like have you got anything practical like that that people can take away from listening to this in terms of like wanting to maybe declutter their wardrobe or one of the rooms in their houses or something
0: absolutely I think like you just said, did you wear it last summer is always a good one for me. I think if you didn't wear it last summer, are you going to wear it this summer? Why didn't you wear it last summer? Why didn't you wear it last winter? Why didn't you wear it last autumn? Because generally, the clothes that we didn't wear last summer is because we didn't really like them anyway. So we're not going to wear them this summer, are we? And especially fashion changes, doesn't it? Fashion changes, changes. Your key is that you can always mix and match, but that's why it's important to invest in quality in the first place and not by fast fashion. But that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when you're talking about wardrobes and you know your tips for doing that, what you have to remember is like you like you said when you were travelling around Japan, um, we are creatures of habit, aren't we? We wear the same things on repeat, so most days you know obviously in lockdown it's slightly different but we'll throw on the same pair of jeans we'll alternate our jumper our t-shirt our our shirt um, but we generally use 20% of our wardrobe the other 80% Mm. we never we never use so you have to look at your wardrobe and assess that and think what do I really use because the things that you wear all the time will be the things that you love and that make you feel comfortable and you know make you feel good if you've got a wardrobe full of clothes that you don't really like why Why are you keeping things that you don't like? Why are you keeping things that don't make you feel good? Why are you keeping things that don't fit you well? So you have to go through that process of taking everything out, like I said, looking through the things and trying things on. People don't often try things on again. You know, try on the outfits that you had and think, do I still love this? Does it still look good on me? You know, does it still work for this time of year? Does it still work for the style that we're in now? Is it something that might work now but can be used? You know, it might hold its value in a few years because also what is important is that in our wardrobe is our everyday wardrobe you're not keeping mm. things that you don't wear all year round. So if you're keeping all your ski stuff in your wardrobe and that's taking up valuable space, that that away and put it in the loft if you can. If you're keeping all your summer stuff during winter, pack that away so that your wardrobe is only what you're wearing every single day. So during lockdown, for example, if you're only living in your sports gear and you're only living in hoodies and tracksuits and jogging bottoms, I would change my wardrobe completely. I'd pack away yeah. all my work stuff and I would just have all my my hoodies and my my tracksuits hung beautifully because they're the things that i'm accessing all the time so you have to rotate your wardrobe to suit you and often or not people just use their wardrobe as this block of storage for everything that they've ever owned so you have to make sure that you're rotating that and and making it work for you not not any other way um so that you know you can benefit from that don't store things that you're not using that you're not wearing that you don't even like so many people have things in their wardrobe that you know they're like oh god i don't even like Why am I keeping it. It's just that it's just that whole, you know, you can't be bothered to go through it. But when you do go through it, even if you're left with that 20% and you've got rid of 80, you're gonna feel so good because every time you open your wardrobe, you've got this lovely curated wardrobe of things that you love that fit you well, that make you feel good and that look good. So you just have to be really honest with yourself and have that really good, ruthless clear out and realize that actually. The 20% of the wardrobe that you love is is worth keeping and the rest, you know, let it go.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, I can definitely vouch for that. And it's like, one of the best things I ever bought is, you know, one of those beds where you can lift it up from the bottom and you've got the storage underneath it, like, because I keep so much seasonal stuff in there. Like you mentioned ski wear. Like I got you know, try and go skiing once a year with my mates. We've started to do it like regularly in the last like three or four years. So I've got some ski stuff like boots and a jacket and so, and they're quite it's quite bulky items. It's like you use it yeah. for one week in fifty two and it's like I like to keep that stuff under my bed where it's out the way or like winter boots in the summer like keep them under the bed and I think like that idea of packing stuff and rotating the wardrobe I really love that actually thinking about it's a really good way to keep things feeling fresh as well isn't it like freshen up what you can see and what you want to wear and you know have your nice t-shirts in the wardrobe next to your your nice shorts in the summer and your nice jackets in the winter and your jumpers so uh, I think that's a uh, wicked idea.
0: Absolutely. You know, if you are just living in your sweats, sweatshirts and your jogging bottoms, then, you know, take some care about those things. You know, make sure they're the priority in your wardrobe and fold away all the stuff for someone in the city every day. You know, for the next six months, you're not going back into the city. Pack away all your work stuff. And then now take more care of your usual stuff. You know, start ironing your shirts and jogging bottoms because they're the stuff that you wear every day. You know, wash them well. Whereas before you'd be lounging on a Sunday in your tracksuit, not caring, eating, you know, a bag of Doritos. Mm -hmm. This time you're living in it and you're doing your Zoom calls in it and these are now your priority clothing. So make them your priority for looking after your stuff. You know, invest more in beautiful tracksuits rather than scraggy tracksuits. Get rid of ones that have got stains and holes all over them and now buy yourself a beautiful tracksuit and look after it because you'll suddenly feel better about yourself and you'll feel more confident and actually even if you are on a Zoom call you're in a beautifully ironed, lovely tracksuit rather than being in your suit that you might always wear so you know it's about changing your mindset isn't it about the the way that you feel and clothes are such a layer of confidence aren't they we all know that mm. so if you think that every day you're opening your wardrobe that's your first layer of confidence you know that's your first layer of this is me this is my identity so if you're just waking up every day and putting on a pair of pants that's got a hole in and you're putting on a t-shirt that's got stains in it from dinner last night then how are you really feeling in yourself that's that's a reflection of you so change that reflection you know get up and put on the most amazing thing that you've got in your wardrobe that makes you feel good and then before you take that zoom call before you get dressed you know before you start your day because as i said that is your first layer of confidence and make sure that your clothing and everything is accessible to you and it is and it mm. works because it does affect your day It affects how everything else goes on
1: yeah and and one of the things that's that's really coming to me and I'm sure like people who are listening as well will probably be wondering the same is like what do you do with the stuff once you've decided that you no longer want it because there's so many different options of like do we sell it do we keep it for like a car boot sale do we take it to a charity shop and like one of the things that that i've been i've done is like i've got a box full of stuff well more than one box actually of stuff that i'm selling online and it's like you know you can stick it on depop or ebay or you know all of these different places to sell stuff but they might not necessarily sell straight away so they're still there right there's you haven't physically got rid of them in a way they're still there like what's your advice in terms of like you know getting stuff out of the house as well so if you no longer actually want to keep it in the house whether you're selling it or whatever or giving it away like what advice do you have around that
0: i think it goes back to i mean this is a lesson for the future as well is always try and invest in quality clothes, always try and buy beautiful things in the beginning, because then the beautiful things hold their value and then you can resell them and they'll sell quickly. So the things that you the reason you're sitting with bags of clothes is because they might they might just be high street clothes that haven't got a high value that people don't really want. So that's where you now have learned a lesson in that actually from now on now I've got rid of all these bags of clothes finally I'm going to start investing in better quality clothes because when I do come around to sell them next and they're going to sell much quicker and uh, as soon as I put them on Depop as soon as I put them on eBay they're going to be gone because they're really well looked after they're really good value and I invested in my clothes in the beginning but for the meantime while you've got all these clothes in your house sat there that you need to get rid of sometimes it's more painful to wait for them to sell for five pounds, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 15 pounds, whatever it is. Um, you know, if you need the money, then obviously you're going to be patient and wait for that money. But, Sometimes it's better just to donate. You get more, you feel more freer from the fact that you've actually just donated those clothes and they've gone and they go into someone else that really, really needs them. So there are Salvation Army banks in every Tesco car park. That's a great way to just get rid of things really quickly. Um, so you can go and donate donate all your clothes there. There's lots of companies that come and collect nowadays mm-hmm. um, and collect your bags of clothing so that you can get them out of your house. Because the most important thing is when you 're clearing your wardrobe or anything you need to get it out, otherwise you end up yep. driving around, don't put them in your house, in your back of boot of your car for six months, eight months, and they never end up going anywhere and then you start looking through them and think, "Oh, actually, I might keep that <laughs> yeah um, it's important to try and you know do your research to see what's local to you, what's in your lo- use your local community um there's an app now I think called um, Olio. It's great Mm -hmm. for donating loads of stuff locally. It's like a Facebook page, but there's so many different places, isn't there, that you can donate to. But I think rather than always trying to sell things, which people do, just donate it and then it's gone. Um, But if you do need to sell things then I sometimes, I tell a lot of my clients, if you've got high value items, I use quite a few luxury resale um, companies and you know my clients will donate all their stuff there. And again, it's a slow process and getting money back, but at least they know mm-hmm. they're going to get something back. Um, but yeah. eBay's always... But I always think if there's a student, if you know a student or you've got a little cousin or a, or a nephew or someone like that in your family that wants to earn a bit of cash, you know, give them 50 quid and say, right, upload all stuff. Because that's normally the hardest part of it, isn't it? It's yeah. listing all the loads that you've got. It's so sort of painful, isn't it? You're like, oh, God, I just can't even be to take pictures of it. So yeah. hand over that black bag to someone in your family that needs a bit of cash. Give them the money or say, right, you have a picture of it, but I'm leaving it with you to do and deal with and then it's taking it out of your house yes it's giving it to them but at least then you're not dealing with it and you can earn the money and you know in a couple of months you'll get some money back but yeah I'm always like just use your students do you know any students that want to earn some money that will upload it for you if you are hell-bent on getting some money back for it
1: yeah, and I'm kind of smiling through the pain at the minute because my Saturday's going to be taking photos, uploading stuff to Depop. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, God, I've got that to look forward to. But is, 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 there, would you, is there like a window, do you reckon then of like, because originally when I first started putting stuff on Depop, I was like, right, I'm going to give it six months. If it hasn't sold in six months, I'm then going to donate it to charity. At least I gave it the attempt or, you know, I Absolutely. could go to and do a car boot. So is, is it worth doing something like that as well?
0: I think that's really good to give yourself a time frame to go, right, six weeks, six months. If it's not gone, I, I, it's going to charity. Um, so yeah, if you've put in that time to upload it to Depop, give it six months and then, you know, if it doesn't sell, but it's amazing how long things do stay, isn't it? Mm. On eBay. You know, I, I'm always trawling eBay for like designer bargains. And it's amazing how one day you are looking for something, the next day you're not. So someone suddenly might think, God, I really want a Timberland jumper. And you've just uploaded <laughs> that onto your, onto your Depop, and uh so it works but it just depends on what people are looking for but again it's about making sure that when you do shop originally you're buying things that are capsule items you're buying wardrobe staples that should always really hold their value someone will always be looking for a lovely plain black jumper or a nice simple crew neck or a lovely cashmere jumper you know these are things that people will always be searching for classic items so make sure that your wardrobe is full of classic item classic items and then you're you won't have struggle with selling stuff you know as you mm. probably see i don't know if you have but i've got a three foot rail in my wardrobe that's it yeah it's very, very yeah. small. I'm, I'm very good at keeping a minimal wardrobe. The things that are in my wardrobe, as soon as they come in, I'll look through it and think, is there something I need to get rid of? So it's about learning to have that capsule wardrobe all the time. That's what you want to be thinking, quality over quantity all the time. You know, save, buy yourself something beautiful, buy yourself a really beautiful jumper rather than just thinking, oh, I'm just going to jump on, you know, misguided or ASOS and buy a 20 quid jumper. Actually, I'm going to wait and I'm going to buy a really beautiful billionaire's boy club jumper or something like that, you Hmm, know, because that will always sell that will always sell. So rather than filling your I- your wardrobe of 20 items that are just, you know, here there everywhere 5 10 20 quid, wait and buy something beautiful because then suddenly you would have cre- created this lovely wardrobe full of classic items that are going to hold their value.
1: Yeah, so so I want I want to jump into it at this point I think because it's a it sounds like a great segue of like the 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 fast fashion thing that you mentioned earlier, right? Is is there do you think a uh, A problem with the way that we buy in the sense of like it's so easy to go to Topshop or Primark or H&M and you can go there with like 50 quid you can actually buy like two or three things but you you then kind of devalue them less because what I find is that when you buy something that's cheap you, you value it a lot less so you, you maybe wear it a bit differently or you, you, you think about it differently and it's different to, to spending 30 quid on a jacket to 300 pound on a jacket because all of a sudden that 300 pound jacket becomes a capsule item right and it's yeah. like something that you know in the future you could probably still sell and it would probably still hold some value so is there is there a, an issue with the way that we buy in general
0: I think it's not our fault I think it's Martin's fault I think it's brand's fault you know fast fashion is down to the brands and who they're using to their products so you know they're for example you know the probably easiest way to describe it is all the you know the ex-Love Island stars that we get the reality stars that you know they come off the show and now you know they're they're advertising all these misguided boohoo whatever every day they're in a different outfit and all this young all these young people these young followers are thinking oh she's in a different outfit today I need to buy that Uh, I need to buy this tomorrow. I need to buy that. And they're spending money on such fast fashion and not having any clue about what this is doing for the environment. But it's like you said, you're not, you're not, you don't care about those clothes. And when you go to declutter your wardrobe, what are the first things that you'll be throwing out? There'll be the Hmm. things that you bought from all the fast fashion places. You know, there'll be the five pound T-shirt you bought in the sale, the 10 pound top that you didn't really care about. But, you know, someone from Love Island was wearing it. So you bought it, Um, you know, all those things. It'd be the charity T-shirt you bought to support the charity. When actually, why didn't you just donate straight to to directly to the charity? You don't need to buy a T-shirt to support a charity. You know, that's the biggest Hmm. con of all. Is like, please, you know, just donate directly to a charity. You don't need that T-shirt in your wardrobe. You know, yes, it sounds like lovely that you're trying to support a charity, but actually you're doing more damage because where are those T-shirts being worn? where they yeah. sorry where that's been made they're being made in, in in a factory in india or sri lanka and you know within a in a space of six weeks they've come out you know the pandemic was here and now suddenly we've got a t-shirt how do you think that happened that quickly so you know not all of the brands will be like that but a lot of them are so you have to really be aware of the things that you're buying and think actually like i just said when you declutter your wardrobe the first things you throw out are the cheap things so mm-hmm. That's not our fault. It's because, you know, it's advertising that makes us Believe that actually, if we buy, we can go into a shop and buy two or three things, like you said, for fifty quid, and we feel, oh, okay, that's great. But when you're going into these shops, look for the classic things. You know, look for the things that are more timeless. It's fine to go into H&M. It's fine to go into Topshop. It's fine to go into these high street stores. You know, we want to support these high street stores as much as we want to support independence. But make sure that the things that you are buying are classic things that are mix and match. They're not just high end fashion things that you think, oh, I'm going to wear that this summer and then it's gone. Think about if you can wear it again and again and again. Try and always see how many times, how many how many wears are you going to get out of that item that you've bought?
1: Yeah, I think it, it comes down to like not buying into this more, more, more attitude, isn't it? Of like we're constantly being sold, oh, if you don't have this thing, then you're not dressing the right way or if you don't have this thing then your life isn't great and you're not you know in inverted commas happy and it's like we buy into this attitude of like we need more things to make us feel happy to make us feel like we're achieving something or some kind of success and it's like actually it's not the things that we have that create that feeling that feeling comes from us it's not because I've bought a nice jacket or a jacket that seemed like a bargain from H&M that has made me feel happy like I've, I've only created that myself it's just the act of doing it has made me feel that way like I've made myself feel that way and it's like when we when we analyse and a lot of you know the stuff that I've been trying to process in the last like year or so is like this this Why do I buy stuff? Like, what's the difference between me wanting something and needing something? And it's like, there is a difference. Like, you don't necessarily need everything you want, and that's fine. And you don't necessarily want everything that you need, which is probably a bit more of a problem. But it's like, you know, it's like we we need to be a bit more careful of like, why do I want this item? And even before I, I try and buy something online, I try and think a bit more intentionally now. It's like, before I hit buy or I put it in my basket or I check out, I think... Actually, why am I really buying this item? Is it because it's something, for example, I just bought a load of um, post and packaging stuff because I've been obviously selling clothes and packaging stuff up. Yes, actually, I quite need that stuff to do the selling and the packaging. If it's like I've just gone and bought, I haven't physically, but I'm just thinking of to make like I've just bought a new pair of winter boots because it's snowing. It's like, am I buying it because I don't like the pair that I already have? Or am I just buying it because actually I don't have a pair and I want to get them? It's like having that little thought behind the buying of like, why am I actually buying this rather than just doing it blindly? Because it's so easy now, isn't it? You can go on Amazon and within a click, you can you could have bought something and have it delivered to your house the next day. So it's like, well, you know, it's finding that balance, right?
0: Yeah, it's, it's trying to slow down the process. It's it, And I do something in my book called The Saturday Test, and it's a really mm-hmm. good way of evaluating whether you need something or not. So let's, we always, let's start on Monday. You know, it's Monday morning, you've opened up your laptop. You know, there's a flurry of emails, you know, Topshop, Boohoo, net porter the Outnet, Mr. Porter, whatever it is yeah. that you're interested in, the gadget shop, and you've got all these emails, buy me, buy me, buy me, a special offer because uh, it's a Monday and they know that you're checking your email. So you look through and you might click on something. And just before you click on that, th- before you click on those boots, look at them and think, you know, actually, if I had to go to the shop on Saturday, would I still want them on Saturday? Would I wait for this item? So put the boots in your basket and wait. Don't click buy now, wait. And then forget about it. Try and forget about it. Now, if you can't forget about it, and you're still thinking about it every day until Saturday, then you did really want that item. But if you get to Saturday and you think, actually, do I need? To, would I go into the shop and buy this item, then at least you've slowed down the process. If you would have gone into the shop and bought that item, then absolutely you've made the right decision. But if by Saturday you're like, what boots? I don't even remember. Oh, God, hmm. I forgot I have one in my basket. Then you know you shouldn't have bought it. So it's about slowing down the process. It's about trying hmm. to slow down the way that we think about clothes, the way we think about fashion. So that's important to do. So that Saturday test is a really good way of, you know, yeah, slowing down the process of buying. Yeah,
1: yeah I think it's really great. Do you, do you think that there's a, a like a, a also a part in it where like you could wait until the Saturday, but you still kind of think, oh, I do want that, because you don't actually want the item. You just want the the, the dopamine hit of like having bought something to, to make it. do you know what I mean yeah. it's like there's that yeah. as well right So it's like how, how how do you navigate that part
0: yeah because you haven't bought anything it's just the thrill of buying something actually you didn't need it but it's just the thrill of it you think like oh my goodness I, I just needed to buy something so you have to think A have I got the space for it B have I got the budget for it C do I need it did I really really need it so you have to ask yourself those questions I think and a lot of the time and a really good question to think is have I got the space for it often or not we buy things uh, and like you said earlier we buy things blind we buy things knowing that our wardrobe is overflown and we haven't got space for something we buy things knowing that you know we have, can't even fit any more jeans in the drawer but yet we still go and buy more before we've looked at what we've got and that's a very important lesson in buying blind with our food as well when we were talking about What we consume. So many people think that they need to have kitchen cupboards full of food, overflowing food. They think they need to have twenty bags of pasta, two hundred different types of tea. You know, fifty. You know, fifty bags of crisps. There is and whole whole section of sweets and chocolates. You know, the overconsumption is a real thing. You know, I go into houses every day and people are overconsuming food, overconsuming so it's about trying to say look when you've got all this space it's actually enjoyable it's good it's nice to see space in your kitchen cupboards it's nice just to see one set of pans not 15 sets of pans it's nice just to see a little snack drawer not a snack area you know so try and think about the space and what that means to you I think we think that with our houses they are storage just a big big space that we can just chuck a load of stuff in Actually, it's not. It's lovely. And when we have that feeling of when we go and view a new house, we look at it and we love it because of the space. Mm. When we flick through a magazine, when we look at all these images of kitchens, of houses, they're empty, aren't they? They've got nothing on the counter. There's a food bowl. There's... You know, there's nothing on the side. There's just a TV in the front room and a sofa. So when we go on holiday, when we go to a hotel, we manage to live with so very little. You know, we go on holiday and we've got this little suitcase of stuff generally that we just, like you said, when you were traveling, that you live yeah. off and you can survive off. Yet when we go home, we've got eight wardrobes. So where's the balance? How we? How do we work that out? What, what do we really need? Cause actually we don't need a lot of stuff. And we feel so good, don't we, when we go to a hotel and we walk into that hotel room and it's just serene, isn't it? Because there's oh, just yeah. the bed... Just the, there's just the, the bedside tables, you jump on the bed, the pillows feel amazing, the sheets feel amazing, there's nothing in the bathroom. Oh, it's just amazing. Everything feels, you've got three different, you've got a shampoo, conditioner and a body wash. And you're like, oh, this is lovely. And that's all you <laughs> need. You're like, but in your own home, in your bathroom, you've got 25 different products. You've got 25 different shower gels. You've got 14 different shampoos in your shower. So, that's what you have to try and, you know, actually in your own house is that feeling and that remembrance of when you go to a hotel, when you go on holiday, think, what do I really need? What? Because we can live with very little, we just don't realise we can
1: yeah and it's like you know using my travel example is it's funny because i i so I did some traveling again um beginning of 2020 before all the lockdowns and everything all the you know all the chaos that ensued and i yeah. was I met this guy this German guy called mark who's a who's a friend now, and he had this tiny backpack and he was traveling for a year and he had this tiny backpack full of like stuff and it was so minimal and he was like so light and free like he didn't have to check his bag on every time he got a flight he just it was a like literally a carry-on size bag and i was like that's amazing and when i got back i was like right that's it. i'm buying that backpack because the next time i go traveling i'm bringing a smaller bag so that it forces me to actually like carry less stuff and it's like yeah. that that idea of like traveling and, and and the holiday example like being in a hotel it's so true isn't it how like we love those spaces because they're so clean and mm-hmm. empty and and so minimal and it's like there's real there's real power in that and there's, there's there's something that you you say in your book which is like create space for comfort and not clutter and it's like I think that's a really powerful way of thinking things is that like, is it is it a feeling of comfort that I have right now or am I having a feeling of like oh my god there's so much stuff around me I feel like it's 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 stressing me out kind of thing
0: yeah, you need to be able to walk into a room and feel like, is this room making me feel happy, or am I feeling anxious? You know, and it might then there could be lots of reasons why you're feeling anxious about space anyway. And it might not necessarily be the things in it. And like I said right at the beginning, you have to look at your relationships and the way that your house functions, and and think about what is what if you're happy in your home first of all, because if you're not happy in your home, then nothing else matters. The most important thing about a house is that everyone in it is happy, and if it's not, then that's something bigger that you need to address before you even start because often or not if if a house is really miserable then everything else is affected by that so it it, what is quite powerful to do is always walk out of a room walk into your room or walk out of your front door and walk back through your front door, but this time with a notepad, and have a look around and see and take notes every room and really sink, let every room soak in because then you can actually take a step back almost like an outsider and see what is, a, what is affecting me, what don't I like in this room. When I walk into this front room, is the sofa in the right place? Is the TV in the right place? Is there too much in here? Is there too much? furniture are the kids toys around the tv you know when you walk into the kitchen are there too many appliances on side why have we got the bread maker the pasta maker the nutribullet everything outside mm-hmm. um when i don't even use those things so these are all things that can have a huge effect on your space so it's really important that you walk out of a room and walk back in and make those notes and think how do I feel in this space and like you just said do I feel like I'm surrounded by clutter or do I feel free do I feel this is a really calming space that I'm in Um, because that's really important
1: yeah love that and have have you got any kind of final um, words of wisdom for anyone who may be in a similar place to where I was last weekend where I was like right I need to have a clear out I don't quite know where I'm going to begin but I'm going to do it have you got any kind of wisdom that can help someone kind of push them over the edge to get it done
0: I think like I said in, right in the beginning you just have to think what is going to What's gonna What's gonna make the biggest change to my life? Is it gonna be sorting out my wardrobe because then that means that every day I get dressed, it's now gonna be an easier situation. Is it sorting the spare room because now I'm gonna have an office space? Is it clearing the kitchen counter so now I can create space there to cook and I can easily cook and get everything that I need easily? So what is the most important room to you? What's the most important space that you can change? And that's what you need to do, and that's what you need to focus on, and you know, stop at nothing to get to where you need to be
1: yeah awesome well look thank you so much for the time i really appreciate i really appreciate all of the the gems that you've dropped throughout this chat because i think there's there's so much that i'm definitely going to take away from it and i'm sure that (laughs) the listeners and those people who are watching will will take a lot away from it as well um so do you want to let people know where they can find out more about you where they can follow you online where they can find the book and anything else that you kind of want to shout about
0: yes um you can find me online at declutter dollies.com. um you can find me on instagram at declutter Dollies, and yeah that's it really so yeah i'm uh, thank you sorry if i waffle i'm known for waffling a little bit so and i apologize for the background noise people coming in and out and everything so sorry for that
1: that's all right it's lockdown living i think we're all used to it by now
0: <laughs> lockdown life yeah that's exactly what it is
1: awesome thank you
0: thank you for having me
1: pleasure so there we have it I hope that you really enjoyed this episode if you did like what you heard then please be sure to leave a review and even better still hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening or watching so that you can get the latest episode straight to your phone and if you know someone who you think would really benefit from hearing this episode someone who you think needs to go for a bit of a decluttering then be sure to send them the link or a screenshot because it's really important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages of episodes like this I started this podcast to help inspire a positive change and you can also be a part of that by sharing this with someone you know and a little personal message to go with it. As ever, you can connect with me on Instagram at IamAlexManzi. Thank you for listening and I will see you for the next episode.